welcome to Coven, an actual play horror podcast. We're on Twitter at Coven underscore podcast, online at covenpodcast.com. Our theme music is by Ben Cronin, and our cover art is by Daniel Stetner. As always, you can find our content warnings in the description to this episode. If you've been enjoying this first season, please consider jumping into iTunes, leaving us a five-star review. It really does help other people find the show. So this week, we're coming at you with another bonus character creation episode. This time, it's for Gary's character, Robert Chesmerd. Once again, these episodes are a little less produced than the usual episodes, which means you might find a few more ums, a few more pauses, that kind of thing. But it's still really fun, and you'll hear a lot of seeds for where this whole season winds up going and not just Gary's character. So I hope you enjoy, and we will see you in two weeks. So this would be Willie Mae from the first set of games, her grandson. Um, so I mentioned in the last, I think it was the last game we've played, that Willie Mae has uh, two adopted daughters, uh, Lorraine and Lula. I forget yep. which one had the um, accident, but... It was Lula. Lula. Um, so this will be Lorraine's biological son. Okay. And... I know the chronology might be a little off here, but um, could he be adopted? Because I imagine if Lorraine has a son, like he would be too young to be an adult at this time because well, Lorraine herself was 12. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a look in our livery. She would have been sheet. 12 and 64. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Um, was it 64? Six, yeah, it was 64 because that was before the time jump. Yeah. Um, so. Or can I retcon that or? I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. How old would All she right. be in? She'd be 32. How old do you want the son to be? So the son would be in his like mid 20s, probably okay. uh, 25. I feel like 27 is too on the nose. Why is that? Like a 27 club and all that. Unless oh. we were to do that. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I think I'm okay with that. With us just saying that L Lorraine was a little bit older. So, um, his name is Robert Chessimard, uh, C H E S I M A R D, um, and Robert is a musician. Um, plays the guitar for the in-house band the name of the bar well it was the rogue when we were playing kingdom and okay. but i think that we should you know kind of put it to the group if it has changed names in the intervening two decades okay so we'll just leave it as be for now but he's the in-house guitarist at the bar club cool. 
Yeah, I guess um, in terms of class and outlook, um, still working class as his grandmother was, um, his mom was able to provide for him a little better um, than Willie Mae did for her. Um, she's a little disappointed in him wanting to be um, a musician, you know, after she put in so much for his education. Um, Is it Lorraine or Willie Mae who's disappointed? Lorraine. Okay. Yeah. Um, Willie Mae was supportive, um, but Lorraine was kind of like, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, you should leave all that sort of blues guitar stuff behind. Um, you know, that's that's so antiquated. Is is Willie Mae still around? No. So actually, um, I don't know how far we want to get into some of the mechanics, but I wanted her death to be his kicker. Oh, okay. So let's hold on to that because um, I, I kind of think that we should just because the kicker will be responding to some of the other aspects of Robert. Right. Um, let's hold on to the kicker and the starting demon until we've hit some of the other. Well, actually, no, let's not. If you have an idea for the kicker, just go ahead and, and sell it to me. <laughs> I don't know if I can sell it right now, but that was just the first thing that came to mind if it was something right. to be like substantial um then i would say that for robert is pretty substantial and it also helps that this was a character that i played in the previous game sure. um yeah but i don't know if i could sell it razzle dazzle uh, okay think about yeah. It some more. yeah um so we'll we'll leave it in as the first draft for now um so what else what else about Robert have you been thinking about? What what is he like? What's his temperament? Um, um, so I've been sort of trying to align his personality with um, stamina, will, and lore, um, just to sort of see what comes from that. Uh, I'd say he's a pretty easygoing cat. Um, you know, he sort of keeps his ear to the streets he wants to know what's going on um he's very much into playing the guitar um and he sees music as like a social force of good um but you know that sort of runs counter to like well you're playing out of a backwoods bar how much of social good are you really doing um like there's no exposure to the music that he's playing um but he sees something like redemptive or like, you know, um, soothing about playing the, the guitar and playing with his bandmates. Um, and this comes out especially after his grandmother's passing. Um, I want to, and we'll work this through in, you know, later, but I want there to be a connection between like his musicology and like demonology. Um, his sort of relation with the demons that he has contained within himself. Cool. Okay. Um, have you thought about just because it seems like you've you've put quite a bit of thought into this so far? Have you thought about what his his starting demon is like? Um. And it's it's cool if you haven't. We'll we'll get there. I, I guess I've been shuffling through a few. Um, it's like I'm trying to avoid cliches, but I also want to 
you know kind of plays them a little bit um so for me it's the crossroads demon um which is kind of a generic name now that i think about it um uh yeah i I can't say i've thought too much about like this demon's temperament it's not overly malicious um whatever it is it's not it's it's not one that wants to sow destruction um at least in a sort of like larger social sense but it is one that is pushing him to be the best musician that he can be and that might come at some personal loss or some personal risks okay cool that's a good start so let's kind of well actually uh this is just a thought which crossed my mind earlier is his father in the picture is lorraine married at this point yes she's married um father is in the picture okay cool um he's i wouldn't say estranged um from either like they have a you know they talk and they have a good relationship but i think lorraine is disappointed that he like didn't finish his college studies and you know sort of do what i guess jim in the last game did and sort of make something of himself um while his father's just kind of you know work is work money is money like you got to put the food on the table somehow um it's like you want to work but there's no aspiration beyond you know scrapping Mm -hmm. so i guess like he takes the sort of best from both like he wants to have those aspirations that his mother has for him but he sees that through music rather than through like you know study right okay uh, are there any other I'm just trying to get a sense of like his his family life are there any other siblings that he has or cousins um, like did, did Lula have children and is he close with them uh yeah uh, I'd say he has a you know pretty large um, extended family he has a uh, little sister that he dotes on um, you know she's sort of living the life that his mother wished that he had lived um so that's i guess what keeps his mother from totally despairing about his prospects but um and he has cousins uh through lula as well yeah they're pretty well known in the community um his folks you know interact with the larger population of the neighborhood better than willie may did they're more acclimatized to you know the way things are and think robert himself is a you know pretty like mellow fellow uh it's pretty sociable dude cool great so let's jump into the like the mechanics of the character creation so we're gonna choose scores to total to 10 for stamina will and lore and um have you given a thought to how those are gonna break up yeah, so originally I wanted to do four four two, but then I thought so for stamina I have three. Okay. Um for Will five and for Lore I have two. Okay. Should we also would you like me to sort of specify which kind of stamina? Yeah, yeah, that was going to be the next thing that we jumped into. So 
once we've gotten the scores, we've got score descriptions for each of them. You, you basically get a descriptor for every two points. So stamina and lore will each get one. And then will, you can have two descriptors for. Cool. So what are you thinking of for stamina? So for stamina, I originally had like chemically heightened, clean living, or natural uh, Viger, Viger. Um, I think I'll go. I like Viger better. Viger, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'll go with clean living for stamina. Cool. Uh, I think the sort of like drugged out musician is not something that I want to indulge in too much here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me just tell you, from Kiefer's character, there's going to be plenty of drugs in this game already. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a, I'm gonna let Kiefer handle handle the drugs. I'm a I'm a I'm a do the uh, clean living. Uh, I think to talk a little bit more about his personality. Uh, yeah. I think because he lives this kind of lifestyle, it's not like aggressively clean or like you know overly sanctimonious with it, but um, he is kind of a teetotaler. Mm, nice. I like it. Um. And I think that may tie into like seeing his father come home drunk and not necessarily like abusive uh, towards his mother or towards him or his sister, but just kind of the emotional like dejection that drinks would. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what you know. he's like straight edge a few years before straight edge was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, a weird. A weird feeling that accompanies seeing a parent. Um, intoxicated in some way right um the like the loss of control that they that they have right Um, right. great i like that so what about for will uh so for will i have social competence uh so you know he's a like i've been saying he's he's a nice guy um he has his demons wink wink um, <laughs> but you know he tries to do the best he can with the resources that he has um, and because of that he tries to always stay on the plus side of it so zest for life and sensation like music quite literally like sends him into a frenzy um, you know which like I said I could try to tie into his demons somehow mm-hmm Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to toss that in the your character's notes. Cool. So those are your two descriptors for Will. And then what about for Lore? And so at, at this point, um, whether you've been thinking about it or if we need to start brainstorming now, but we should be thinking about what you use the demon for, right? Like what is its, what is its function in your day-to-day life? So I'll answer both. Um, one more definitively than the other. So I think for lore, we can do apprentice, but I'm not really sure exactly. Like, so it says the mentor is a sorcerer, so maybe some DM mysterious missions. Um, okay, so uh, never mind. Then yeah, he can be the apprentice. Um, okay. So who would his sorcery be? That's that's going to be one of the n- the next questions, right? Um, 
because the maybe the semi-obvious example from the Kingdom game would be Willie May, right? Who is dead? Um, hmm? Who is dead? That's that's true. Yeah, if we if we stick with the kicker, you're interested in. Alternatively, we invent someone, right? That's probably what we should do at this point. Right. Right. Um, maybe let's kind of think backwards into it. Um, like what? Again, I'm I'm kind of pushing on this a little bit, but what does your what does your demon help you accomplish, right? What is what is the thing that you drive for? that you're what would have what do you want enough that would convince you to do something as drastic as binding a supernatural being to yourself so the concept and i want this to evolve not from the concept but like exactly how i want to play it um he wants sort of i won't say musical perfection um but I think I want him to like desire binding demons out of I don't know like it's like music virtuosity but like not for like himself but for the music that the I don't know it's like <laughs> sounds so stupid um the like he wants people to feel the music that he's playing it's not enough for him to feel like enlightened playing music itself, but he wants there to be an effect whenever people hear him play. And that effect is like spellbinding. It's, you know, it, it's sort of for however long it lasts. Like he wants people to feel, oh, this is funny. Um, even though he himself is a teetotaler and abstains from all kinds of drink and drugs, he wants people to feel that way when they hear him play music. Yeah. So does he in some way is what he he's longing for a sense of connection to people? Definitely that. Um a connection to people um but through his music specifically. But through his music specifically, yeah. Okay. I think I think that's a good place for us to start, certainly. So if this is the case and you mentioned a minute ago that Lorraine was disappointed that he didn't keep up with his studies which suggests that he he was studying at some point right did he go to university somewhere I'm trying to think of of angles into who the mentor might be right and if he went and studied outside of the livery somewhere for a while that gives us maybe one inroad into um, possibilities for his mentor uh yeah so um he went to and i wanted to be like far away because you know i want to like really show how lorraine is disappointed in all this um maybe he went to like howard in dc um on like you know some sort of scholarship and his mom like you know paid the rest of it or whatever um Howard being like the HBCU in DC and yep, yep. essentially kind of got caught up in the music there. Um, you know, disco R and B, you know, this is late seventies. Well, when you, if I can float another possibility, when you said you wanted it to be far, 
my first thought was like Paris. Why Paris? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know specifically why Paris, but um, didn't Paris have a big jazz scene in the at least in the sixties? Uh yeah, it was it was yeah it was pretty big. Um, and you know in Europe, like jazz never really died out the way it did here until like the like nineties. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like I could see him playing in Europe per se only because like a lot of like sort of musicians who got their start out there did so because they were originally like in the military or you know sort of yeah that's like fair new folks but uh oh, fuck it we could do Paris too I mean it's it's not so much the location that matters but the distance from his family yeah well I mean I I want you to go with something that that feels right to you so if if something like howard feels feels more correct then that's the one you should go with all right well we can do that then howard okay yep and so the fact that he was in dc well okay so what do you think about him him acquiring his mentor when he was at university does that sound like an appropriate direction to go would you want to go in a different direction so i had like kind of originally thought that his mentor would be like the swampy old bluesman that he first learned guitar from when he was like a teenager before he went to university Mm -hmm. um but i could also see the argument for it being like that same kind of person but let's say in the music department at howard Mm. Hmm. but like the contrast here was that he wasn't enrolled as a music student and even if he were he enjoyed playing music much more than he enjoyed being in the sort of academic setting and studying music because he felt like that was uh soul crushing right sure so what do we what do we gain and what do we lose from having these two different kind of models of mentor? One, the kind of the academic musicologist, the other, the, as, as you put it, the swampy bluesman. Like what, what attracts you to either of those and what would we lose by going with one over the other? I think with the bluesman, you get that connection to Willie May. This person likely knew Willie May, you know? Um, you, you get a sense of the history that we drew out um, in the brainstorming for the first set of games, um, that this is a swamp, that there have been, you know, there's a music tradition, a conjuring tradition that goes, like, back a 100 or so years here, and Robert would be, like, the latest person stepping into that lineage, um, of course, with a updated style of music. Um but at his core, he's very much like the Robert Johnson, you know, bluesman who sold his cell to the to the devil. Um, that I want to tweak a lot differently. Um, with the musicologist, I see that still being like a possibility for him. You know, should he like through the courses of this game, if he even lives, um, decide that maybe it's time for him to take music seriously in a more professional way 
And, you know, this person at Howard, he's not like some stuffy old bard who, you know, isn't hip. He's, he's certainly hip. Um, but I think there's a class distinction here between, like, upward mobility, um, which was very much a thing for black folks in certain climes in the 80s, and sort of like this return to roots, which was seen as, like, you know, kind of a step back for the movement. Right. So I think would you i don't know it's ah, i feel like the second one is like potentially leads to more optimistic ends which i'm i guess i'm trying to go for with this whereas the first one he is inextricably bound to like where he grew up at with very little chance of like leaving that mm-hmm. yeah we we could make that an element of the show too, right? Him him feeling bound to the place he is and still trying to figure out how to grow past it. Right, um, right. So I think I think we could make that an element of the show no matter which direction we decide to go. Okay. As far as what I'm thinking about, the having the mentor be at Howard in DC I mean, maybe it's just because it's in D.C., but it's making me think of, of like, more political aims. Thinking about as, as far as what the mentor wants, right? Yeah, I don't know. Have you, have you talked yourself into, into one or the other? I feel like the D.C. mentor would get me more out of my comfort zone and force me to really think through the lore and the mechanics more dynamically if that makes sense like i feel Mm -hmm. like you know i want to be taken out of my comfort zone and i want to you know feel at ease with it eventually um whereas the first one it's like you know i already kind of know where this is going it's a little too similar and samey to willie may um so i don't know let's 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 go with the dc you know that storyline great yeah i like it uh, do you, can we come up with a name for this person, for the mentor? Uh, yeah, his name is um, Baraka Neal. God, that sounds dumb. Because uh, <laughs> these are like, I'm, I'm teaching this class on Black Fire, the anthology next year, and it's by, you know, Amiri Baraka and Larry Neal. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Baraka was also like, I think a student or grad student at Howard where he wrote black music, so early 60s so right uh i don't know if i like barack and neil we can go with um <laughs> jerry fuller jerry fuller yeah. it does kind of sound like a seinfeld character i'll tell you right now oh is there someone named jerry fuller in the show i have no idea i've never watched seinfeld it just sounds like something i would imagine would be on seinfeld all right well um, we can we can do jared no nah, i like jerry fuller <laughs> Okay, yeah, we'll do it. Jerry, I just Googled it to be sure. Jerry Fuller was an American songwriter, singer, and record producer from Fort Worth, Texas, actually. Hey, so talk about yeah. uh, versimilitude. There you go. Jerry Fuller, Professor at Howard. Cool. Oh, he's still kicking, too. How about that? That was the your descriptor for lore. Um, we said humanity equal to your highest attribute, will or stamina. So humanity is at five. And then for your cover, pick a profession or lifestyle that suits the character that is his or her cover, which gets dice. 
to either stamina or will player's choice. So I think we've we've pretty much defined your cover, excuse me, cover already. Is <laughs> the in-house guitarist? Yeah. At the um, the rogue or other name? Yeah. What do you think more describes your playing? Is it stamina or will? What describes his playing more? Yeah, like uh, because so you're either gonna get three dice or five dice for your cover when you have to roll something having to do with your profession effectively. Right. So, which of those two? Oh, I see. Um, do you think are more applicable? I think it's will for sure. Okay. All right. So I have scrolled on a little farther. I'm now at price. Player character must have a problem that has arisen or been made worse through their practice of forbidden arts. It must be worth a penalty die in at least some situations that will happen during play. So here here I think we really need to drill into to what your sorcery kind of like looks like, right? Or not your sorcery, but what what the effect of your demon looks like. So you know, maybe maybe set the scene for us a little bit. You're you're playing in a nightclub. You're on stage. The lights are are up on you. It's maybe a solo. You have a backing band, but they have set back for the for the moment. And what does the crowd see? What do they feel? If someone were to walk in off the street right then, what would they see the crowd doing? That kind of thing. So his style of playing is, uh, you know, very. So. I guess this is also where I should specify what kind of guitarist he is. Um, I feel like bass, guitar, electric would be more fitting with his personality. Um, and it's a very bass-driven guitar band. Um, cool. So it's, you know, it's, it's like Prince, but bass and like a lot less, you know, uh, sort of, um, what's the word, dynamic, but yeah he, um the the club is rocking man like the club is you know definitely grooving um it's like the strobe lights are blue um you know he's playing like blue notes um everybody's just kind of like nodding their head you know having a good time you can sort of like watch the notes flow out into the streets some folks come in and it's just a you know it's just a, like a good vibe um yeah so if you know if his desire is to really be able to connect with people on this level through his music then to make them feel intoxicated in some capacity then then what does he how does he feel at the end of the night right what's the payoff because um, the payoff for the crowd is they feel great. But what's the payoff for Robert when he's home at the end of the night or while he's playing? How does he feel or what does he gain? He feels like he hit. He feels as though he hit the notes that he wanted to hit and there was a synergy because it's not just him, it's the band as well. He feels like they have the kind of groove that is, you know, to be expected of an in-house band, but he's kind of like, this is another personality thing, like he he's a guy playing at a podunk 
you know, whatever genre we, I guess, you know, classified as bar ass, but he thinks he's like Rick James or Jackson five or something like that. So he's never, he's never satisfied. Mm. Okay. Um, He's, he's always, he's always digging deeper for some sort of musical truth, but that musical truth is not to enlighten himself, but, uh, you know, he's just the vector between, you know, the filter between the enlightenment and the people. Um, so, so long as he feels like the people are not getting the message that he wants them to get, um, he'll forever, you know, go home, play a few notes, probably pass out, you know, with the guitar over his belly, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, because I, I want us to be really, I think my one concern with the character at this point is that and this might go here a little bit once we especially when we define the price here in a second and then when we start thinking about the starting demon yeah but my concern right now is that he might not be selfish enough okay because the person you're describing right now sounds more like a um sounds more like a buddhist right he knows that he will never be seriously <laughs> yeah. he he knows that he will never be satisfied but so long as he can try and and communicate a message you know he's the vessel for this music that sounds all very kind of um, I, yeah and you were using the words of of enlightenment as well right so okay so I, we can we can sort of and it's not that I want to cut all of this. Like no, I, I, no. I don't just want to throw this on the cutting room floor. But to someone who's who's just looking for perfection, just wants to make his audience feel something and communicate a message, unless unless they're kind of the most obsessed, um, bordering on psychotic person, right? They're not going to to bring a demon into themselves, right? <laughs> right? right. Like that's a it's. We need to be really clear here also in like the concept of the show that these demons are are literally otherworldly and horrific and despicable, right? So there is something that has driven him to make a pact with something of that nature. Um, so let's let's just hold on to that, right? Um, and let's think about the, the price. So a, a player character must have a problem that has arisen or been made worse through their practice of forbidden arts. What do you think is his, what is the problem that has arisen from sorcery for him? Are these the only ones that are valid or can we? No, you can, uh, we can come up with our own for sure. So I feel like, um, and this goes to what you said about him being too nice, like, I want him to be like the kind of nice guy who's at the end of his rope then. Mm. Like I want mm -hmm. there to be an edge of like we can keep all the Zen stuff like to a point, but I think with this story I want there to be a kind of desperation. Um you know, like desperation in his playing style a desperation in how he treats his band members a desperation in you know his interactions with his mother um because he like wants to prove to her that moving back home was the right choice um and you know that desperation could verge on 
like some kind of you know paranoia you know paranoid that he you know denotes that he hits are never the the right ones uh paranoid that you know no matter how hard he tries he'll always be a guitarist in some podunk town you know that isn't even on a map um let's see and the demon also influences their behavior right so with time you know that sort of you know enlightened guru shit takes a back seat to like a much more disciplined like approach to playing the bass but that disciplined approach like fucks with like it creates a dissonance between the kinds of effects he wants people to feel and you know some sort of deeper truth that he wants to explore in the music itself okay so are we okay saying that his price is desperation yes and that that gets him into trouble sometimes yes can i like revise like the 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 scene you asked me to set with the club yeah um so you know it's still grooving it's still bumping people are having a good time but you know forever the maestro he wants to sort of throw in some shit that he learned um overhearing teacher at the um at howard um and it's like i don't even know if this is a i think it's a genre but you know uh it's like experimental bass chords um fucking up like the smooth soul song that he's playing and Mm -hmm. you know he goes from like al green to like fucking stockhausen and it's you know it's 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 only but like maybe 30 to 45 seconds um and it's like the music itself um like what do you call like the background instruments remain the same but it's like the notes the notes are not at all what you would expect to find in like any kind of r&b song of that era um it's it's i guess you know the closest thing i could think of is like uh you've ever listened to like jaco pastorius pastorius mm-hmm. um, oh yeah so there's like there's like a sort of famous solo he does where he's like two drum machines and then he just like turns around and starts shredding the fuck out of the bass makes it sound like a goddamn mm-hmm. like fender like that's yeah. I, i'll post it in the group chat for you but i think that's the kind of lapses those are the kind of lapses that he will fly into every now and then before settling back into this nice cozy groove that he was doing before okay yeah well and the and the desperation will play out in his daily life too right? oh yeah absolutely yeah starting to get a feel for his kind of I don't know. I was almost going to say cavalier attitude, but it's not really cavalier. Yeah, he's a little like he's doubt he's too doubtful to be cavalier, but he'll, you know, do it anyway because fuck it, like I've already thrown away so much, like what's the worst that can happen? Mhm. Yeah. Cool. So, next up is the telltale. So, the telltale is what other sorcerers would identify as an attribute that distinguishes you as a sorcerer, right? So it could be a mannerism. It could be the example I gave Kiefer was when we played Kingdom, 
this is what I was doing with Jim Lewis's eyes, right? When they just kind of emptied out and they became holes receding backwards. That's his telltale, right? When you look too closely for a while, it makes you uncomfortable. But for a sorcerer, they would look at him and say, oh, he's like me. And uh, it doesn't have to be something that creepy or that obvious. Um, but one of, the, one of the good examples they use is that um, if a telltale isn't always visible, like a tattoo that can be covered up, when it's seen, it should be incontrovertible, right? So uh, a telltale is something that someone actually might roll against to try and notice and see if they can put together that you're a sorcerer or not. Um, can it, does it have to be like, does it have to have this sort of long, like, lore to it? Or can it be like something quirky, but also still make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, it's kind of like Michael Jackson, like, pick. Um, but like not like Shamona or anything like that, but you know, kind of like I don't know. Uh, let me find a gif so it can make sense. But essentially, like sometimes he'll like start as though he's about to dance, but he's like balling his fists, and like maybe this sort of like weird light comes from it. <laughs> I don't know. Is that too silly? I can definitely do something else. Well, um, so here's the thing. It's, I think it's verging on silly, right? And we would have to be careful how we used it. It's too silly. Um, yeah. Well, no, not not necessarily. So I want to, here's just what I want to kind of float, right? I have known people, and I'm sure you've known people also, who generally just have way too much energy, and they will just, like, bust a move occasionally, right? Yeah. Um, for no apparent reason. And so... That kind of thing is something which could easily be glossed over, and a, and a telltale in general can be glossed over. Right. So what what would be the thing that made another sorcerer recognize that this was a telltale? I mean, is it him? Does sorcery for him involve these really complex motions with his hands, right? And when he and when he kind of vibes like this for a second. Is he reenacting some of those hand motions? Um, or, like you said, the light coming out of his hands. That might be a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, um, figured, yeah. But, yeah, what do you think? What about this would make another sorcerer recognize Robert as a sorcerer? I'll backtrack that and come up with a slightly simpler one. Um, how about him just nodding? Like nodding as though he's like playing with the guitar even when he's not same same question what what about that what about that mannerism clues in other sorcerers and this is kind of a kind of a world building question right why why is nodding to one's internal music i mean it could be something as simple as like you know it normally just looks like he's kind of playing a riff in his head but if you look too closely the rhythm is a is a time signature that's uh Ooh. abnormal or yeah, I didn't think or that. I like that. Like, specifically uh, used in rituals or something like that yeah i feel like you already did like the eye rolling thing um from jim so i don't want to ape too much um 
but like I don't know when he nods his head like he you know it's like his eyes kind of bulge out not like bulge out in a cartoony way but when he nods his head like sometimes it's either like really sleepy or when he's really sort of feeling it um it's like you know almost like maniacally and it's just for a few seconds but it's like enough to be out of character for him Mm -hmm. is there is there something entrancing about it even for other people definitely right yeah okay it's it's like yeah it's 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 not on the usual four four like and it's yeah yeah i i like that because it's almost like other people are can hear something below their level of attention right and it becomes yeah that's cool i like that only happens for a few seconds um yeah cool i like that and it's creepy too right yeah it's definitely creepy i also just kind of thought like maybe he's like this is silly but like you know nodding his head in the shape of a pentagram but let's not go with that okay Um, sure but yeah it's, it's it's just like and he does it like what's the word like unwittingly you know he'll just kind of mm-hmm. do it yeah and is it and, and, and when and when this happens like these um these telltales like is it of their own volition or is it like de- demonic influence um i don't know that it's either right this is something that you know you said it's like a tick earlier right Right. it's something that that just kind of like happens um it's something unchangeable about your character Mm -hmm. um or if it is changeable that would be a major plot point right Mm -hmm. um like someone has a has a tattoo across their chest which is in a complicated magical sigil right or fixing jim's eyes or um your character right who is who is listening to something which is outside of this universe right right um yeah so i think it's more an influence of having done sorcery right it's something which has kind of which has changed your character on the um on some fundamental level right um all right we can jump to step six list important non-player characters and places so i've started an npc list for us We've got the Lorraine and her husband being Robert's father. Do we want to give a name to Robert's father? Yeah, Bill. Okay. Works for me, Lorraine and Bill. Um, Jerry Fuller, who is the professor at Howard and Robert's mentor. And then Willie May being an important NPC from his history. Who who else? Either from the Kingdom game or from or just in general, like who are some other people that might be important to Robert that we should fill in this list with? Um, like is are the members of the house band, are they people he needs to that are important to him, or does he just kind of like cast them off? Does he have a best friend? Oh, what's the name of his his uh little sister uh shit i don't know um angelica 
perfect. And how much younger is she than Robert? So if uh, Robert is 25, Angelica would be about 20. Um, I'm going to put Lula on here as well. Yeah, Lula. Um, I guess her kids aren't like really as exigent here. Um, yeah, they don't. Uh, they haven't come up yet, but you know, if at some point the cousins become important, we'll we'll give them names and add them to the list. Or I might do that in the background. Right. Um. What about the the band members? And like I said, does he have a a best friend? Does he have a confidant? Were there any other sorcery students of Professor Fuller's who might not live in the livery but are still important? Um. Does he have a rival? Yeah, I was I was thinking that. Um, and yeah, he he does. Um, her name would be Sheila Q. Siui. Uh, Q, just the letter Q. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's actually. Um, I might even change Sheila because that's like too obviously Sheila E. Um, mm -hmm. Anita Q. Cool. And is she a rival in the musical sense, or as a sorcerer, or both? Um, I guess, uh, I, I guess, yeah, I guess it could be both. Um, but I guess, would I have to t tie Anita into this? No, I mean, I can, I might ask you the occasional question, but if you just want to say, like, I'll... If you want to put Anita in my hands, I will make sure that she shows up. <laughs> I think at best Anita was a, another like guitar bassist um, at Howard. Who, in their rivalry, I wouldn't even say it's like a neck-to-neck -neck rivalry, but you know she was definitely like one of the people that prompted him to pick up the guitar more seriously. Um, but he'll always perceive her as being like several years of experience ahead of him. Did they have a relationship? Um, platonic, yeah, okay. just platonic friendship. Sure. Um, but someone who was definitely like an influence on him, and she was also a student of Jerry's. Um, kind of lived like, you know, and she's like kind of living, you know the synergy of both his mom's demands of success as well as like him wanting to play the guitar on a larger level. So like maybe, you know, like the bar gets a subscription to this magazine and one day he gets the cover with Anita on the, the front, you know? Cool. I like that. That gives me some good, um, some good fodder to play with. Um, and then places, Let's think of just a just a few places that would be important to him. One of them is almost certainly the rogue. Anywhere else specifically? And we, we can be thinking back to our locations from the Kingdom game, right? Yeah, I was I was gonna ask like what has become of the swamp in the last twenty years? Well, I think the swamp is definitely still there. It is probably significantly reduced in size than it once was because there's the water park there are some you know every character is going to have a few things that we'll need to discuss a little bit between the four of us before we really start playing um for instance Kiefer's character his whole design kind of makes it clear that if we stick with his design makes it clear that 
urban development has kind of continued apace in the livery because he's like a a middle manager basically living in a, a fairly upscale home. So after the water park, urban development seems to have continued in some way further um, stratifying the livery. I definitely think it's still there. Right. Um, but if it was, it's probably reduced by at least a third, if not more in size. Well, I definitely want him to have a connection with what remains of the swamp. And it could be something as simple as, like, he knows about the shack that they held Jim in for a few days and pretty much goes there, like, with a chair or whatever and just basically plays his tunes into the swamp and listens to the vibrations and the echoes that come back to him. Yeah, I like that. So he goes to the the burnt-out husk of the shack right yeah he doesn't know the history of it of course but he does know okay he doesn't know the history um but it it just is a powerful place to him yes he doesn't know why but it's a place that speaks to him yeah very cool that again that gives us a good start um we can we can add more getting to the starting demon so let's jump into the next chapter chapter three so um, unlike with character creation, where we could jump around the to-do list for demons, the book is pretty adamant that we go in this specific order. Yeah. So step one is choose the demon's type and an appropriate telltale. So, and I think I actually need to make a note about Keeper. I think we forgot the demon's telltale. So for demon type, there are five types, inconspicuous, Demons are hard to perceive. Some of the examples they use are um, it's the person you always see out of the corner of your eye, but when you look towards them, you don't see them, or someone who's just rounding a corner. Object demons are invested into physical items and usually must be carried. Parasite demons live inside a host, um, usually the summoner, but not necessarily. Passing demons look almost perfectly human or animal, and then possessor demons control or supplant a host body. Mm. I feel like, and I feel like object. Yeah, I like object the most of these. And what would the object be? The guitar itself, right? I mean, it could be. That seems to be the. So my my one hesitation is that that seems to be the obvious answer. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Um. So I think I definitely think we could go with an object. Mm. Um. And we could go with the guitar, but. Maybe just as a thought experiment, if we went with object but not guitar, what would it be? And as another thought experiment, if I took object off the board, what would what would be the next one you would look at? And then we'll and then we'll come back to the guitar and see which we like better. Okay. Um, so if not guitar, then what object? Um, I suppose there could be a kind of artifact that Willie May gave to him, like my great grandmother gave me a traveler's necklace when i was uh, about to go to college and that's been something mm. um you know like um could be that um and the demon that he sort of ties himself to is you know within that um and that way its presence can be felt on him even when he's not holding it the guitar itself mm-hmm. and you know the necklace is like the you know I forgot what it's called, uh, but it's like the patron saint of traveling. So, you know. Mm. Uh, and if not object, let's see. 
don't know. I, I do like Parasite, strangely enough. Um, you know, again, going to someone who's like not, you know, uh, he doesn't do drugs or drink, but he's under the influence of this demon who is like in his bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So which which are you more drawn to from those three? Um, I feel like Parasite might be the simplest um, only because and, and, and that could also, you know, explain the head nodding and some other ticks as well. Um, the object has sentimental meaning, but, you know, trying to get outside my comfort zone. So we'll do uh, Parasite. OK, I will. I will say that. So heretofore, so your your character and Kiefer's character are are quite different, but there are a few similarities. You have the same stamina, will, and lore. Wow. And you both have zest for life as a descriptor. Um, and his demon is a parasite demon as well. So, um, it could be right that demons are simply parasitic organisms. Right. in the in the world that we are constructing so i'm not trying to talk you out of it um not by any means i just want you to kind of be aware of that and we can always once the group comes together and compares notes we could always switch the the type um let's let's um so so Kiefer also has the 352 spread and parasite right mm-hmm. um okay um Let's see. And again, like your characters are going to play very differently because your concepts are very different. Right. But so I'm I'm not worried about the stamina will lore matchup at all. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted, you know, just wanted to raise it to awareness. Yeah. Um then we can uh what does have you spoken to Sharon yet? No, I haven't yet. Okay. She'll be the the last one. Okay. Um I'm fine with it being object, yo. Like it could be like the necklace that she gave him, like, and then you know that could tie into the kicker as well. Um, yeah, that's 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 cool with me. Is it okay. is it cool with you? As in, like, in terms of you know, yeah, man. I'm I'm gonna be able to I'm gonna be able to play with things no matter what. So <laughs> object works for me. All right, awesome. Yeah, well, we can we can keep it with object then. Cool. Um, so we're gonna roll with object, and is it the guitar or the necklace? It's the necklace. So, like I said, the necklace has you know like the uh, the traveling thing and sort of like him feeling bound to this place. I'd like to explore that it was given to him by Willie May. Um, you know, is another thing. Like I I want to sit on it for a few days and think about what that could mean, but I, mm-hmm. I like that. And what would be its telltale? If another demon or a sorcerer came across your guitar, what would what would clue them in that this was not a normal guitar? Well, necklace. Oh, sorry, necklace. Excuse me. Yeah. Can you tell me what Kiefer's is, or is that not fair? Yeah, I don't think he would mind. Well, we don't. His demon is a parasite demon that lives in the bloodstream. Um, we forgot to do a telltale for the demon. Would it be too obvious to say that it kind of blows on its own, even though, like, for example, it rustles, even when there's no, like, wind pushing it, or, like, when, 
he's feeling particularly enchanted, like sometimes it'll stand on its own? Or is that... Oh, yeah, I, I like it. So, like, you ever watched Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> Long time ago. So, like, there was a necklace, like, some sort of, um, fuck if I even remember this shit, but it's like the uh, forbidden, like, tools of the Pharaoh or some shit. And, like, one of them was a necklace that whenever, like, they were around someone else who had, like, the Millennium item or whatever it was called, like, shit was just, like, point in the direction of the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's what I had in mind. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I like the idea that it just kind of, like, it rustles on its own sometimes, and someone will, like, look over their shoulder and think, oh, Robert must have just moved or something, which is why it rustles. All right, so let's pick its abilities. So there's a lot there, um, and I think that we will probably need to kind of adjust the... We can adjust these descriptions at will, right, in order to achieve the effect that you're looking for. And we can we can mix and match some of these to to garner a demon that does what Robert would have bound it to do. Were there any that stuck out to you? Um, I'm gonna have to like I think uh, just off the top of my head. Can I? There are two that kind of stuck out to me as we were reading through these, trying to think about your demon being able to like draw in and attract audiences one of them yeah. is shadow where the user controls degree of illumination that's because you were talking about the way the lights look and so i think we could very easily tailor shadow to kind of be what you are thinking about a little bit and then the other yeah. one was psychic force um, which is technically an attack. The user may use his or her will as a ranged attack, doing damage on the fists column. People without this ability defend with their own will score, yada yada. So it would so taking psychic force, we could say is an attack or a defense that you have if you are ever in a combat situation, but is also emblematic of the kind of day to day um, psychic connection that the demon is trying to make with audiences. Right. So those those are just two that that I was thinking might might be applicable, but I'm of course happy to hear others. Or even perception, right? Maybe you can just read the crowd so much better that you know what to play. I feel like perception is similar to but not the same as like a touchstone from the last game. Oh, which interesting. Had, which had at least, like, for me, like, that's kind of... I could see myself going both ways for that, like, because Willie Mae was a touchstone, <laughs> and she, you know, was very, like, empathetic. She was an empath that tried to, like, almost deny that because she, you know, was so hard scrabble. And I think uh, Robert is a little more open mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. Um I don't see him as being like someone who would do a psychic attack, um, only because he's not like outwardly aggressive like that. We will, we will want to be sure that that he can at least hold his own, um, just because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this system does occasionally devolve to combat. Um, so, oh yeah, he can uh, you know, go ahead and spread out. 
I want to say perception, but I'm going to just like also glean at some of the other ones I highlighted real quick. Tell me about days. Mm-hmm. So this is also like a physical attack, right? Yeah, that this one I think would be a little harder to tweak. The user hits the target with a combat roll to subtract power from all targets' perception rolls. The effect lasts for the demon's power in minutes. Note that the target is not blinded and needs no perception roll to deal with direct attacks or other obvious things. I'm trying to think of, because the, so the problem is that every time your demon uses one of their powers, um, it gets closer to meeting its need fulfilled, which we'll define here in a minute exactly what its need is. I mean, if you were, if you were to draft a new power, which we can do, right? We can just come up with one. What would it be? I mean, what if it, what if it was just something like, again consider this a draft right but something (laughs) like um empathic connection right where you can um where the demon can project a desired set of emotions into another being empathic projection maybe because if it was if it was like empathic reception where you were reading the crowd's emotions i would just say that's perception and we would right. define what you're perceiving as the crowd's emotions. I, I I almost think that empathic projection would be, and I, I love the idea. I think it would be for Robert cheating a little bit. Okay. Um, cheating because like he wants them to feel like whatever he wants them to feel um, through his own volition. Um, with with the aid of his demon, but not like for the demon to do the work of projecting it onto like whoever mm-hmm. his target might be. So I think perception might make more sense to him, um, in that he wants to know and then he wants to like will like change that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the source of a lot of his anxiety is that he's not good enough to like himself do the kind of work that a demon could just magically do totally cool yeah i like that so perception to him seems like a more honorable way to go right okay cool so there's one power um and that kind of takes care of the the concept of the demon that we'd had let me ask this real quick since this is an object demon do do you have to have the object with you in order for perception to work um, or for any of its powers to work? Or does it just need to be existence and bound to you? I think it just needs to exist and be bound. Um, okay. Because this this demon, I imagine, like there's frequencies of this stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, he doesn't become powerless without it. Because, I mean, Willie Mae, like, had powers and she wasn't, you know, bound to a particular item but it he wears it anyway because it's just like a good luck charm right okay cool um so in perception exactly what is perceived must be defined at the outset so how do you want to phrase uh what the guitar not the guitar excuse me the necklace um how do you want to phrase what the necklace allows you to perceive is it like are you reading body language so it can't be telepathy or mind sense, but I do think that aura, I think aura might 
go best here? No, I feel like body language. Like, you need a demon to do that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm more thinking like body language at the level of like someone's eye ticking. Oh, like okay. like extreme minutia, right? Um, yeah. The kind of if you've seen the BBC Sherlock, that kind of ridiculous heightened perception. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think he is not like uh, he's more of a dreamer. So for him, it's like the sort of wavy vibes that you know sort of rise into the sky after a good performance type shit. You know? Okay, cool. So reading reading someone's aura, but what does that tell him specifically? Does that tell him like people's emotional states? Does that tell him like? Can we have it be like synthesia? Mm-hmm. Sure. Or like he sees like these auras in different colors, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I I more mean so I'm trying to extrapolate a little bit into like game mechanic terms. Okay. If yeah. we were to set a scene where like let's say you're talking to some CEO. I'm making all this shit up off the top of my head. You're talking to some CEO of a company and you want to get a read for them and you say, okay, I'm going to use my demon's perception. And I tell you, okay, their aura looks like this. What information does that get you as a player? Does that get you, oh, he's a liar? Or does that get you, he's depressed? Right. Yeah, I think... I think definitely like the shape of the aura, like the color, et cetera, sort of, you know, how tense is it? Is it free flowing? That gives him a sense of what he needs to do to like, you know, get someone out of their shell or like cajole or flatter or whatever. Okay. So it specifically gives him a, a route to get someone to loosen up or be more relaxed to that kind of thing. Yeah, like, the onus is still on him to do the right thing to, like, make it happen, but he can perceive what, like, needs to be done. I think the conflict then is, like, is he good enough to make that happen? Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. At least for now, that seems to be kind of the main ability that this demon uses, but it can have Mm -hmm. as many abilities as we want. And so basically the way this is going to work is we're going to determine all its abilities. That will give it a lore score. So if it had like three abilities, it would have a lore of three. And then we will roll to bind the demon to yourself. And Mm -hmm. so the more powers it has, the more difficult the binding roll is going to be. Um, The binding is always successful. We're just determining the level of success with when we roll for the binding. So what, what other abilities do you think would make sense for the necklace that he uses and what calls to you in general kind of as a player if you want more we could stick with one but it would be kind of a one note object demon and they have to be like i guess they have to sort of sync with one another right or can they be like different that they could they can be totally different and we'll we'll figure out how they work Unless it's something that says it's specifically for a different type of demon, then we'll we'll figure out a way to make it work. The powers you pick will in some way help describe the demon's character a little bit, right? The mm. the abilities it has, that kind of thing. I do like Shadow. 
Yeah, I think Shadow actually makes a lot of sense, this demon, because, from kind of a performance yeah. perspective. Yeah, because even if he can't, like, directly, you know, impart a different type of mood, he can definitely set the ambiance or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's like external mood. I was, another one that I was thinking might work is Mark. The demon can put a put a mark, whatever that mark looks like, on a target, which nobody can see except for other sorcerers or other folks who are looking for it. And just thinking about the way that Robert is often on stage and, you know, often trying to influence the people around him. That's, that's really Robert's goal, right, is to influence people around him. Mark seems like something which kind of fits with that. Mm-hmm. I do feel like Mark would be more, like, offensive instead of defensive. At least that's how I'm looking at it. Um... How do we determine humanity again? Your humanity is equal to the highest of will or stamina. Okay, so it's five. Yep. And it'd be the humanity of, like, another player. Of another player or another creature in the world. An NPC or whatever, yeah. And versus my demon's power. Yep. And power is... um, yeah, 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 yeah. Power is equal to, it's the number of abilities your demon has plus one. So if your demon had three abilities, your power would be four. Okay. Uh, it, it definitely seems really interesting. Um, and I guess that, like, story-wise, you know, could also be, like, the demon having its own agendas. Well, it definitely will have its own agenda, so... Oh, yeah, without a doubt, right? But I guess, like, it could be reflected in the mechanics as well. hmm And you could also pick something which seems, like, totally out there and that you have no idea what to do with it and a unique situation might come up in play, right? Just another way you could approach it if you felt like it. Um, we could do Mark. Okay. That's two. Um, and we're all starting with two. No, you can start with as many as you want. Oh. Um, just remember, like, so if you if you have a bad binding roll, and so the more the more abilities the demon has, the more likely it is you'll have a bad binding roll with it. Um, okay. The worse the binding, the more influence and the more free reign the demon will have. So we can do three and put shadow back in there. Okay. And, uh... Yeah, so it'll be Shadow, Perception, and Mark. Okay, that works for me. So, I do not have a sheet for you to look at at the moment, but that means its lore is three, because it has three abilities. Its will is equal to one plus its lore, so four. Four. And power is equal to will, so power is equal to four. And then we need to decide what its stamina is. And the stamina interestingly is a number that we just come up with off the top of our heads what what do we feel like its stamina should be um as an object demon as something with with power three or sorry power four what do you think it's its stamina should be your stamina is kind of a, a normal human i think is three someone who is incredibly physically fit would be five but it's a demon so who knows I kind of like the idea of giving it a stamina equal to yours, giving it three, mm. but that's just a thought. 
just an idea. Yeah, three could work. Um, I was thinking of yeah, three. Yeah, three's fine. Okay. Were you thinking something else? Uh, four. Okay. Yeah, we can. I'm happy to make it four if you want to. Yeah, four is good. And then it's desire. Every demon has a special interest, and it will urge its master into situations that give it a chance to indulge. A demon frustrated in its desire may well become cranky and start to rebel. There is a, we're going to come up with its desire and then with its need. And these are distinct but linked. Uh, and I was just going to read. You don't need to turn here, but I'm reading from another part of the book. Um, the demon does not crave its desire in a drug sense. It likes its desire and think the whole, thinks the whole world ought to tend that way and might need a little help to get there. Its need, by contrast, is a craving for a specific thing or an action, which is made up for a given demon during the creation process. Um, there's no ambiguity ever about whether the demon received its need and when the last time was. The demon may like its need, hate it, or regard it as a physiological necessity. What matters is that it's literally addicted to it and cannot satisfy it without help. Desire is ideology, personality, taste, and preference. Need is addiction, payment, and power. So the desire we will pick from this list that it has here, and then the need we will come up with whole cloth. And the need is something that you as its sorcerer will have to satisfy in order to keep it basically healthy and bound to you. And the desire yeah. is something it's just going to pester you for constantly. Right. So the example desires are mayhem, mischief, corruption, power, sensual gratification, creation or artistry, knowledge, and competition. Which of those from that list do you think is, is starting to fit this creation? Just off the top of my head, perhaps. Um, ooh. I think the only one that I would scratch as a GM is creation artistry because I don't. Yeah. I'm not really into that one. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just thought it, it would be a little silly for its desire to be artistry. And then when it, you know, when it's being yeah. used, it is satisfying its desire. I think Robert would be into sensual gratification, but the demon maybe. but what's the difference between like, I guess, creation and artistry and knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think creation and artistry is, is more about the artifice, whereas knowledge is more about the acquisition of understanding. Uh, yeah, I guess you're, yeah, you're right. I don't know, power? Mm -hmm. That's the one that was jumping out to me as well. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll want to define power relative to the demon, but just like, does it have to be sophisticated or can it just be like power and just wanting to impose like their will on someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Right. And um, any any chance where Robert might be able to impose his will on someone, the demon is going to pressure him to do that. Right. And it fits with the kinds of abilities that we've picked for it and with your with the general picture of what the demon does day to day, right? Exerting its influence over the crowd while Robert might have this kind of pseudo lofty goal, the demon is just about, it feels like it is manipulating these people. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And then what about its need? So the need is something that we come up with whole cloth. Uh-huh. 
Um, when you bind the demon, you're usually expected to satisfy its need in some way. So every week that a demon does not get its need fulfilled, it gets a it gets a bonus basically to trying to rebel against you. So the mm. need is something that Robert has to perpetually supply the demon. And we could we could make this weird, right? I think the need is is often a place that folks can kind of cut loose from the overall concept of the demon and do something really fucked up. Like, um... I mean, like some of the examples they give are like object demons that need to drink a user's blood, right? I was or, just thinking that, right? Yeah. Um, or right. demons yeah. that need to that need to get into fights. So even if you're playing like a a fairly chill character, he has to go into alleys at night and start fights with people, right? They can be things that seem totally divorced from the the normally driving concept of the demon. Doesn't have to be, just can be. So, like, would one example be? But this is like too tied into the performance aspect, so I want it to feel different, I guess. Um, like the high that you know the people get from the performance, like the demon through the necklace, basically takes their souls. But not really taking their souls. I'm not. I'm not like sold on that though. Yeah. the The issue is, it's something that Robert has to supply, right? It's something that the demon can't get on its own. It's, I see. Okay. It's bound to Robert because it's something that Robert supplies it. Um. Robert goes swimming in the swamp. Oh. And like, sort of risks life and limb with the gators. Um. Because we still like. Will the swamp still be like a nest for like the spirits in the livery? I mean, if you make those part of your character, yes. <laughs> right? It's it's largely going to be defined what the characters decide. Uh then yeah, like every week or so, like or whenever the demon so craves it, like Robert will have to, you know, basically go for a swim in the livery after performing a ritual with his bass guitar. Um, it's sort of like, you know, Zelda or some shit, like, you know, it, uh, basically stirs the spirits awake and then he goes for a swim and that, I don't know, like, makes the spirit feel, the demon feel at one with itself or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. That actually gives me a lot of stuff to play with, right? Because Robert doesn't have right. any idea why... A swim is what the demon needs. Here's kind of a backstory question for you, if this is the route we're going. When he first bound the demon, and he was presumably in Howard, right? How? What was its need then? How did he satisfy its need? Was it always the swamp, or is it just a swim somewhere? Or did he have to actually go home to the livery in order to bind it? Ooh. So maybe the reason he dropped out in part was because the demon needed to be in the swamps that his grandmother knew to like replenish itself. Um, we can tie, you know, obviously, you know, his mom and his learning was, you know, paramount, but this is like a sort of deeper secret that he can't really tell his mom about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the reason he dropped out of college was in part because he wanted to like really play music and get into that, but also, you know, demons got to be fed. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of wild. And okay, cool, cool, cool. I need to. I need actually need to make a note about that. And what is it? So it's something that you can communicate with fairly, fairly straightforwardly, right? What is its attitude like? If it's if it's just talking to Robert in a day to day environment, how does it act? Maybe it embodies like the more negative aspects of like Willie Mae, like that hustle grind mentality, like you know that gotta get it, you know always gotta get it, always practicing, always doing this, always doing that kind of nagging but not in that like gendered way but you know like nagging him to always pick up the guitar and practice even when he's chilling at home or has company over or is you know going out for a walk um and the only time this doesn't happen is either when he's performing at the bar and everything is kosher or when he's going out for a swim yeah i like that very cool. And maybe and maybe like do the demons also absorb some of the personality of their host? Sure, they can. Why not? Um then maybe at first the demon was like that, but as it became more used to Robert, um it's sort of, you know, instead of like, you know, go play the guitar, go do this, go do that. It's kind of like Hey, you know, it'd be a really nice day to pick up the guitar, open the window, and jam out some tunes, huh? So it's <laughs> like, like it. yeah, you know, it sort of takes on his, it's like a distorted version of his voice. And, you know, it says things in the way that he would say, but a little more fucked up. Right. Cool. And do you have an idea about the name for it? Kiefer didn't really name his. Um, we were kind of leaving it up in the air at the moment, so it's cool if you don't have one yet. It would just be something to, to think about. Lucifer. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Imlac. Um, I-M-L-A-C. Mm -hmm. I have heard that before. What is that? Brassilis. Yeah, I like read the book a few years ago and just, I don't know, I kind of fell in love with the character. It's my uh, Max username. I love it. I love it. That's yeah. rad. Cool. I really should have recognized that as an 18th century scholar. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll gloss over that for now. <laughs> awesome. That Yeah, I think that's a great name for it. I kind of have a, a general tone that I want to strike with the demon's names, which is kind of this sense of, you know, archaic... Um, I don't know. I'm still having trouble exactly putting a, a finger to to the tone, but are you looking at like I don't know, like are we thinking like the uh Ars Goatia, like these sort of really old demonology texts, like uh Yeah, yeah, these are I'm looking at them now. That this is the kind of not that it's these names specifically, but these are the kinds of this sound, right? which is a, an ineloquent way of of describing this. But yeah, and I think Imlac fits that pretty well. All right, so that's our demon. That's your starting demon. Right on. And the last step we've got for character creation is the kicker. The kicker that you floated for me before was Willie Mae's death. Is that still sounding right to you? I'd say it's the one that makes the most sense to me right now yeah 
Okay. I can't I can't think of anything that's better at the moment, so well, so I mean, my question is right. So the kicker is, the kicker is the thing that throws your life out of shape, right? The kicker is the thing that takes the sorcerer who's getting by, surviving with their demon, and makes them suddenly need to do something, right? It's the inciting in- incident. Um, okay. So if you if you want to just say Willie Mae's death, um, I'm okay with that. Just understand that I am going to run with it in order to turn Robert's life on its head, right? Which is fine, which would be fun for me. But if you wanted a little bit more control over the thing, over over what it looks like when his life is is upended, we could we could dance with it a little more. Just trying to give you the option. Yeah, I guess we could see what other possibilities there are. I mean, my understanding of this timeline is he receives the necklace from Willie May as he goes off to Howard. He's 18. So by this point, before her death, he's already a sorcerer, right? Not necessarily. Like, it it could be that, because he hasn't met Professor Fuller yet, right? Right, Um, right. So it could be that the necklace is the thing that he uses to bind the demon with, right? Okay. That contains um, it or whatever. Maybe it's like Professor Fuller's class on like, you know, musical anthropology or whatever that gets him interested in like the folkways where he came from. Um him not really re- uh realizing that Professor Fuller is like uh, you know, level 65 sorcerer or whatever. And through that, he taps into Imlac, who had been residing in his necklace, um, you know, and sort of draws its power out. So, yeah, the kicker. Mm. I mean, I, I think Willie May's death is, what was he relying on Willie May for before? Right. That's the, if if Willie May's death is the kicker, then that's the question we need to answer. Why why would her death throw his life in out of whack? I guess maybe like they maybe he goes to her. Um, you know, maybe they were always close, but you know, maybe like once he realizes the truth of his necklace, like he goes to Willie May and uh, I don't like that. Um, could we say that Willie May like exerted some kind of influence over Emlac, like just by being alive, and then after she dies, like this is when Emlac, you know, starts first exhibiting his like you know their need to go to you know have a swim in the swamp every week, you know, to be in that place where he was originally like bound to the necklace, mm-hmm. and that sort of like you know him having uh robert having to go back home uh you know because he dropped out because his demon needs water and to like mourn his grandmother's death like all of those sort of like go as one or is that i mean the the problem with that is that's just setting him up for life in delivery right right so when you said willie may's death the way i was envisioning that as a kicker is 
So she gives him Imlac. It doesn't, or she gives him the necklace. If it does have Imlac in it, he doesn't realize it yet. And it takes Professor Fuller to bring that out, right? Or she gives him the necklace and then he binds it with Professor Fuller's help while at Howard. And then, and realizes that in order for the binding to be successful, he has to go home. So he goes home to the livery, makes the binding, drops out of school, and a few years pass in the livery where he's working as the gu guitarist. And then Willie May dies. The way she dies is what takes this kind of, is what takes the past few years and upsets them. And I guess I, ups I answer upsets how? Well, I mean, it it could it could just be a mysterious death, right? And then and you have to to investigate, or it could be a horrific death, right? Um, it could be that the forces she's meddled with her entire life catch up with her, or it yeah. could be that her death brings to life secrets from the past, like what happened to Jim. Potentially, yeah. I like her death being mysterious. Um... Because then that sort of, I guess that combines both like the mysterious death as well as like, you know, her meddling with the spirits of the swamp, like they've come to, they've come to collect her soul or, you know, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. have you. Um, okay. I mean, I think, I think that's fine. And then I will, I will tinker with it. And this kind of weirdly enough, I had like my first idea for a character for this game would be like a detective who you know was like investigating like you know what happened between like uh ruby jim and willie may on that day um mm -hmm. and it would have been like lorraine or lula or whoever so i think in you know and 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 the role play doesn't just take place in the the, the music scene right it's it's all over the the, the town so yeah um it gives jim not Jim, uh, Robert, something to define himself other than, like, his musical pursuits. Okay, cool. I like it. So there is technically one more step, but it would take a while, which is for us to use this diagram, um, which I've tossed just one or two things on at the moment. I don't think we need to worry about that right now. When we meet, when all four of us meet again, I think we will probably do, like, a collective character generation right so i think that we are going to each talk about our kickers see how they might be related do some tweaking that kind of thing see how everybody's characters themselves know each other that kind of thing and when we do that we will work with the diagram some more and fill that out so i don't think we need to worry about that at the moment one one last question for you what did he know about sorcery when he left home had Willie May told him anything about it, or was it that he met Professor Fuller and then when he came back, he had this new knowledge? Um, I think like with, I think um, he like Willie May sometimes told him flat out that there are spirits in the bayou and that he basically needs to watch out when he goes out, you know, at night. Like just no humor but with a little bit of humor and he never took it seriously. Like there would be times where like Willie Mae would tell him literally what happened, you know, between her and the spirits. And he'd just be like, Oh, shucks, grandma, stop it. 
and then he meets uh professor fuller and you know sort of realizes like oh shit like those aren't just like old wives tales yeah cool i I think that works Um, and it doesn't feel you know it doesn't fill him with fear per se like it fills him with you know with with i think the fear comes when he realizes like oh shit they killed my grandmother um but even with that he doesn't want to renounce sorcery he wants to dive deeper into sorcery um Mm -hmm. yeah okay i think that works final question is about the uh kind of a detail thing the little retcon we made of lorraine so that she was 20 ish in 1964 do we want to are you still okay with having lula have been eight in 1964 so that she would be 28 now so she's not that much older the only thing is like that scene where she's hit by the car part of its impact is because she was so young right we could bump the age up to maybe 10 or even 12 but still have her be a child yeah okay okay so any cousins that he has are probably quite young right yeah he's like the eldest of yeah yeah just just trying to kind of align with this generation a little bit yeah great okay um i think we are good hey that was that was a lot of fun if we ever release this as a bonus episode thanks for listening this is gary's character robert i've got to double check the last name again chessimard robert chessimard i was going to say chimmy sard that's what charizard charizard robert charizard boys and girls (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's a a send-up for um a shot of shakur because that's uh, just whatever name that came up to me right perfect thanks for listening everybody i remain excited peace bowling